0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with world traveler Nikki Kinzer.
1: <laughs> That's right. Hello, everyone.
0: How are you feeling?
1: I'm a little tired.
0: Got to, You got the jet lag, the old Atlanta jet lag?
1: I do. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> I, I I don't know. if Did you see my post yesterday on Facebook? I did not. Oh, yes. So I was going to do a Facebook Live yesterday. Yeah.
0: And you did not?
1: <laughs> no, because I did it this morning. Uh, uh-huh. No, because I just completely hit a wall. Oh, yeah. My last client um, ended at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And my plan was oh, I'll work, you know, for a couple hours. I'm going to do this Facebook live around 5 PM. And then, um, I'm going to go coach my daughter's volleyball team at six.
0: You coach volleyball.
1: I am an assistant coach. Yeah.
0: Good for you. I did not yeah, know I that. I don't
1: know. <laughs> oh. It's good for, it, I don't know. It's fun, but I don't know if it's good for the kids. Like I hope oh. I'm teaching them something. I, I, I think know. it's fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> but it's fun. I really yeah. enjoy it. Um, but I'm an assistant coach cause the head coach is the one that like, she really knows what she's doing. Yeah, so, right. um, but anyway, I thought, you know, this was all going to work out. This was my plan. I had a plan yeah. and yeah. And then at three o'clock I just hit a wall because, you know, it's the end of the week now. And I've been, I, I traveled for, let's see, I was gone for four and a half days. And when I came home, I just went straight into work and being mom and all of that stuff. And so, um, yeah, I just really hit a wall and, so I wrote a little post on Facebook and said, you know, I I can't do it today. I'm just too tired. And um had a couple comments of support, which I really appreciate. I thought oh, that was really sweet. Yes. And I took a nap and <laughs> uh, I went to volleyball practice and it was great. And so I was really glad that I uh, took that that time for myself. And so if you have a chance, jump on Facebook because I did a Facebook Live on Friday, November 17th. And I talk about, you know. Why that's important. And uh, I break a myth about meditation and uh, mindfulness. So check that out.
0: Ooh, suspense.
1: I know. I'll talk about it a little bit later today, too, okay. on the show. So you're okay. going to get like, oh, good. if, I was you, gonna say, if I- you follow me on Facebook and listen to the show, <laughs> Double like repetitive information, but it's good. <laughs>
0: excellent, excellent, yeah. excellent. Well, we do have a lot to talk about today. We you, do. We've got follow up uh, from your experience at the Chad Conference. Uh, Chad got- Adda. Chad Ada. Sorry, sorry. That's, that's my okay. Uh, the Chad Ada <laughs> Conference. Uh, we and we have some follow up from folks who've been writing uh, writing in. We because of our you know recording time warp, uh, we missed a couple of questions, and now we're going to get to them uh, today. And uh, I actually I think that's it. Just follow up and your experience in uh, Chadada, Chadada. Yeah, Uh, Chadada. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. Listen to the show on the website. Subscribe to the mailing list and make sure you get an email every time a new episode is released in Nikki's fantastic newsletter. You can connect with us on Twitter and Facebook at Take Control ADHD and leave us a voicemail at 503-664-4ADD with your questions as well. Uh, Now, uh, we've... Talked about uh, our favorite uh, new site of support patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Thank you, those of you who have already jumped in and are supporting us there. We appreciate everyone who has done that or is considering it throwing us a buck or three or five a month to help us continue to grow and do the show and start making more public appearances and, and doing more things uh, to help um, help the ADHD community. We appreciate your consideration there patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Uh, you know, it's just like uh, public radio. This is This is listener-supported podcasting right here. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Shall we start with a follow-up? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Caitlin, uh, the fantastic Caitlin has written us and she says, one of the things that has helped me change my language away from binaries. This is in reference to our binary language podcast. uh, Was that last week or the week before? I think
1: it was the week before. It was the week
0: before. Yeah. She says, this is something that Brene Brown says in Rising Strong. Fantastic. She -hmm. says that when faced with binary language, the first step is to ask who or what benefits from the binary pair. By asking myself this question, I find that often it is shame or a negative view of ADHD that benefits from my mindset and the binary language that is expressing that mindset. The strategy has helped me realize the false narratives of binary pairs. And now, back to continually improving my awareness of binary language.
1: Love that. I
0: do too. Uh, that's, That's a great bit of awareness and awesome that Brene Brown... Uh, you know, listened to our podcast and started talking about binary language and writing it in her book.
1: Yeah, you think that's what happened? B-
0: before our podcast <laughs> two weeks ago. Wait a minute. She's
1: inspired by Nikki and Pete. <laughs> yeah, right. I like how you threw that in. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, I have another um, comment about language. This, this struck a chord for people. Which but I yeah. think is great because yeah. it really does uh, uh, continue the conversation. So I think that's fantastic. So this came from a um, past client of mine, actually, and her name's Elaine. And she sent me an email saying that I wanted to share with you this comic. And it came from Upworthy. Get to give the right credits and we will go ahead and and put this in the show notes and it's a it's a kind of more of an illustration than it is a comic because it's not funny it's mm-hmm. more of an illustration um but the point is is to not say you're sorry but to actually say thank you and so just a couple of my favorite examples if you want to say thank you for your patience say that instead of don't say sorry i'm always late
0: oh yeah isn't that oh, that's nice? great. Yeah. Yes.
1: If you want to say thank you for listening, don't say sorry. I'm just rambling. Oh
0: my god, I do that all the time. Uh, see, I know. We even Am do I... whole shows on this stupid topic, and now I'm real. I still don't catch all these instances. That's beautiful.
1: It is, and and I see that with my clients all the time because yeah. we'll be in a session. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm just rambling. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't be sorry. Yeah. Um, if you want to say thank you for having hope in me this whole time, don't say, sorry, I'm such a disappointment.
0: Mm. I know, right? Yeah.
1: So this is good. And, um, something that I just want to throw in there as part of my coaching groups, we have this rule. I may have mentioned this before, but we have this rule that we don't say we're sorry about anything. And if we catch you saying you're sorry, then you have to put like a nickel in the nickel jar. Now, we don't really have a nickel jar. It's all like, (laughs) you know, made up and in the cloud.
0: (laughs) Cloud nickels. Oh, I love it. Yeah.
1: But it's really kind of cool because it really does stop you. It stops yourself from saying you're sorry. And then when you do by accident, you get called on it because you can believe, you know, believe, believe that either me or somebody in that group is going to call you on it. Yeah, right. Yeah, because so, it's, anyway. a, it's
0: a matter of front of mind awareness. And sometimes you need that like just just hearing, you know, thank you for listening. Sorry, I'm just rambling that binary pair is uh, that's a huge one for me. Like I can't yeah. underscore that I, I do that every day. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's big. That's big. Yeah, thank you so good much, stuff. Caitlin Absolutely. and Elaine. Thank you. And uh, our last bit of follow up is from David. Uh, oh, I love this one.
1: Uh, David <laughs> I know says, you do. He says,
0: "I'm 47 years old. Diagnosed with ADHD three years ago." Uh, he says, "In in episode 318, Pete mentioned that he's working on a novel. I've been stuck in the middle of that process for what seems like an eternity, and would love any advice from a fellow distracted writer. I completed about 90 page pages of a first draft largely through discovery writing, and then." worked backwards to create a very messy outline. After not working on the book for several months, I made the mistake of continuing the project on a program called Why Writer. This program allows me to work on all different elements of the novel separately. For example, I can create a document for each character, scene, setting, and so on, A much better program would be Scrivener, but I've heard that Scrivener is best on a Mac and I'm a PC. Now I feel more disconnected to the project than ever before. Even when I find time to work, I don't know where to start. I don't know if my ADHD is the reason why Writer is such a bad fit for me or if it's the product itself. Either way, I'm feeling pretty overwhelmed and discombobulated. Any tips for me on getting and staying on track? I do have some tips, and it starts with the great Somerset Mum who says... There are only three rules for writing a novel. Unfortunately, no one knows what they are. (laughs) I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry that I have to lead with that. The the trick, I think, is... You're onto it already. You've selected a, a writing tool that has way too much stuff for your brain because it sounds like your brain is like my brain. It's just too much stuff. And you mentioned Scrivener, which is sort of the de facto standard long format writing tool. It is designed specifically to write books. Textbooks and novels, whatever it's—it has all the features you need to to manage your research, to manage chapters, to manage, and then export in many different formats that publishers like. Or self-publishing, you can dump it straight into Kindle format. I mean, it's, it's a really fantastic tool, but for writing the first draft, it can be a disaster. It was for me. I used it for many years, and I found I had to scale back. Now. Uh, I use a tool called Ulysses on the Mac, and it is—it's uh, fantastic. It's only about two years old, but it—it it only works on Mac and iOS. Uh, but if you are a Mac iOS writer, uh, for those of you out there who are not Dave, uh, you should check it out because it's it is fantastic. It's simple. It supports Markdown, which is the 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 writing, uh, uh, the writing uh, system that I use, uh, which you should also check out. Link will be in the show notes. Uh, and uh, and it allows me to write very, very, very simply. Uh, There are no page numbers, there's no formatting, it's just a text editor and I strongly recommend if you're trying to get through a first draft get out of the uh, the the super writing tool, get out of the tool altogether. You, you really, I mean, you want to get as close to a pencil and paper experience on your computer, I think, as you can to just vomit the words out on the screen. Uh, so the tools that I have, I, I've been doing a little bit of research this morning, and I found the tools that work for a, a lot of people, there are two on uh, uh, Windows that uh, windows or linux in, in the first case that actually seemed to be highly recommended the first is called focus writer uh, from gotcode.org link in the show notes g-o-t-t-c-o-d-e.org and it is a distraction free writing environment it's designed to strip all of the toolbars all of the menus everything else that gets in your way uh, to just allow you to focus on the words it looks pretty customizable does not support markdown so it's it, it wouldn't be a good choice for me but just you know, working in plain text, um, you can use it in in partnership with another sort of markdown previewer that would allow you to see what you're what you're doing. You can actually absolutely write in markdown. But the tool that actually seems to come even more highly recommended and seems to be a uh, uh, closer uh, comparison to Ulysses is WriteMonkey. Monkey. Uh, and Right Monkey just had a, a looks like a beta release is ready as of September 2017. It's under current development. It's a, you know donate what you want, uh, kind of an app, and it looks it it supports. Um, uh, supports Markdown, supports all these the the tools you need just to get words out on the paper uh, with timers, so you can set you know how long you want to do writing sprints and then timers for breaks and and goals and targets and it, it's but it is very very simple when you look at just the straight writing page, it's just text and that is a that's your goal. So my experience so far this month in in writing this novel. So i we're talking right now it's the 17th and uh, so we're just over halfway through. National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, where we endeavor to write a 50,000-word novel in 30 days. I am currently sitting at about oh, just shy of thirty six thousand novel, er, 36,000 novels. <laughs> 36,000 words, which is, you know, I'm, I'm ahead of, of par, so to speak, you know, we need to write. uh, Thank you. I honestly, I attribute it to uh, largely to the way I've had to change the way I think as a result of this show, right? Because I've, I've been doing this again for 14 years and it's never been this easy. And part of it is because I've embraced what has usually been a massive stumbling block for me. And that is. I write until I reach a point of choice where I have to solve a problem somewhere in the novel, right? I have to solve something to get the narrative moving forward or some sort of character decision, and then I'll stop and I'll freeze. And, you know, we call that whatever you want, writer's block, whatever you want. But if your goal is to actually turn out a novel, you can't afford writer's block. And so what I have had to, to do is say, okay, I've I've hit a point where I don't know what to do here. I'm going to go start a new chapter, I'm going to go write from a new perspective later in the book. I'm going to go write the next scene that actually is in my head. And my work then will be at some point to connect these things together. The, the effort there is actually really interesting. First of all, more words pour out. You know, instead of you sitting down to a sixteen hundred word session, I'll end up writing three thousand words or four thousand words. Uh, but also, the act of skipping around the narrative a little bit in this first draft allows me to solve problems in new ways that I never actually would have considered before. Now, mm-hmm. this is this is me writing with ADHD, right? This is jumping around and uh, in, in embracing it and celebrating it and mm-hmm. using it as a creative force rather than thinking. Oh my God, my ADHD is telling me to jump around. This is terrible. This is terrible. I'm never going to finish. How am I possibly going to finish? And Mm -hmm. this is the first time I've ever really seriously sat down to tackle a project quite this big and embraced it. And it's amazing. It is Yay! an amazing feeling. I'm telling you, it is so great. You um, just
1: shared a success story. Yeah, I did. It is a success story. I've been that's thinking awesome. about
0: it since you've been gone. I've been. I, I really am excited about just the uh, about embracing cause it,
1: I don't embracing. Yeah, that's, it's such a great word.
0: Because how often do you sit down with a goal to to do something that's you know that's going to take somebody. 10 hours to read, you know, yeah, 15 yeah. hours. So at this point, I'm on track. I'd say I'm about halfway through the story. And that means, you know, I'm probably shooting for 70, 80,000 words. And I'm, I'm really on track to hit that this month. Um, and, and so I think to Dave's point, I, I really like this because I know at the end of this first draft, it's going to be miserable. Like it's going to be very difficult to write. But as so many writers have said, the, the one rule that, uh, Somerset Maugham has left out here, real writing starts with the second draft. So Mm. whatever you have to do, whatever crap you have to turn out to get the first draft done. The second draft, you'll be able to unlock the secrets that you weren't even uh, you weren't even aware you had mm-hmm. uh, as a result of all these blocks and these challenges. So, I strongly encourage you to summarize that. Find a writing tool that is as absolutely simple as you possibly can make it, as bare bones as you can make it, totally distraction free. Turn off all the alarms, turn off everything but your screen and your keyboard, and uh, and then just write whatever comes to your mind. Jump around, write wherever whenever in the narrative you need to and and I I'll bet you're going to kick out the uh uh kick out those blocks and get your get your creative motor churning again. Awesome. There you go. Great. All right. So there's a follow up. Thank you Dave. Thank you everybody who wrote in. Uh and I um, uh, hope that helps. And now Nikki to you. You want to share with us your big takeaways oh. from Chatata, Chatada Atlanta.
1: Chatata. It's so hard to 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 do this because, you know, I, I actually took an extra day at the, at the conference. I did the pre-conference, um, sessions. And so I really was in class, let's see, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and half a Sunday. So it was three and a half days, full days of just ADHD. And, um, it was so awesome. I loved it. Um, I loved being able to meet people. I met experts. I met people that have been on our show. Um, I met parents who have kids with ADHD or adults who were just there because they have ADHD and they were looking for information. So it wasn't just professionals. It was also um, parents and adults and kids. There were some teenagers there with their parents, you know, attending this conference. And so first of all, I just have to shout out that it was very organized. They had so many different options. It was hard to choose. I'm going to go back and actually end up paying for some of the recordings um, of experts that I didn't get to see because I had to choose, you know, between one or the other. Um, It was just a really good experience. So if you ever have a chance to do it, I know it's not cheap. You know, it's an investment, especially if it's not in your hometown. Um, But I really think it's transforming, um, and it's a place for people. It's safe. I, I I can't explain it. It's like you're in this session with 50 people, and people are raising their hands, asking questions, and everybody's just like nodding their head, like yes, yes, yes. I get that. That's me. You know, it's like it's your tribe, it's your people, and um, there's a lot of emotion too, right? Because it's like this isn't a, a light topic, and right. um, but it was great. So what I want to do today is there were a few things that just really resonated and stood out for me. And that's what I want to share um, on the show. And the first thing that I've got to say is there is this pattern in almost every single class that I took around the importance of mindfulness and meditation. And I think this is happening because they're doing more research. And I think that people have just automatically assumed that if you have ADHD, you can't do either of those things. And we know that's not true, but there's still that stigma that, that, People believe, but what they're finding is that when you practice mindfulness and meditation, it really does help you uh, navigate, you know, your ADHD and lessen some of those symptoms and and be able to kind of stop that chatter in your mind. So there was three specific areas um, where this got brought up. The first person I have to shout out to is James Ochoa. Oh my gosh. James, if you're listening, (laughs) I love you. (laughs) You are like one of my favorite speakers, one of my favorite professionals in this field because the work he's doing is so important. Um, We had him on earlier in the show. He is, or I mean earlier in the year, he is going to come back. He has told me he's going to come back and he's going to talk about this internal safe place that we have in our mind. I am not going to talk about that today because I won't do it justice. I want you to hear it from him himself, and we are going to have him come back next uh, next year um, to do that. One thing I do want to bring up, and I did talk about this on the Facebook Live today, is that it is a relationship that we're building, um, when it comes to meditation and mindfulness, uh, it's never going to look the same way every day. It's never going to necessarily be consistent. And that's okay. We need to figure out how it can work for us. And it's a chance for us to reset and um, basically just to, to reset and center ourselves. So I can't wait to have him come back on to talk more about this internal safe place. Another area that I uh, found uh, mindfulness, uh, something that she said that really resonated, there's a, a speaker, her name is Jane Messingill, and uh, she does a lot of work with Rick Carson. And I've talked about Rick Carson before because he's the author of Taming Your Gremlins. Absolutely, so these are those, yeah. Yeah, those are those gremlins, those beliefs, right, that we tell ourselves. Well, one of the things that she did in her session is she had us actually just stop for a second and look around the room and just notice so you just had to sit and look at things and notice things that maybe you didn't notice before so i noticed that there was a there was a, a telephone on the wall which is weird cuz you don't see telephones on the wall very often right right <laughs> anymore. Right. And, you know, I was noticing the shadow from the light on the wall and the curtain and everything. And, and she had us go around and, and kind of, you know, talk about what we noticed. And it was just a really interesting practice of when you actually just take a second to just notice things. And that's that mindfulness piece, because it really does get your mind away from whatever spinning to being present.
0: Such. Yeah, there's such value to that. I, I struggle with that in my own office. I'm trying to notice right now. And all I'm noticing is, my God, Nikki, there are cobwebs in like every corner. How do I not notice that? I'm a filthy person. <laughs> <laughs> I need to clean my you're office.
1: Not, yeah, you're not a filthy person. <laughs> that is negative um, talk. Yeah, but it's, but it's not
0: binary. It definitely <laughs> has an opinion.
1: That's right. That's right. Uh, The other thing that mindfulness came into was this uh, session that I took on impulsivity. And this is a show. This is a show. So I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to go into great detail about what I learned in this particular session. course i will i will talk about it later but uh part of managing um being impulsive is being mindful
0: yeah it's like the other side of that coin right that's fantastic yeah
1: it is so we will talk more about that another thing that really resonated with me and this was a session that i took um, that is based off of brene brown's work it's interesting how all these people kind of circle back in my life um it was uh it was a session really um, about shame and it was specifically based off of Brene Brown. The the woman that that, uh, spoke is a um, trainer of hers or she's trained under her, Mm -hmm. however that works. Um, But one of the things that she said is that we get into this habit of avoiding joy. And when she started talking about what that meant, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so me. It's like, you get to that point where everything's going well, but you're just waiting for something to go bad. Where's the
0: other shoe? I'm sure it's going to drop. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Like, I can't be this happy. Like, this just isn't, you know, this isn't going to work. Or you're in this great relationship, and you're just expecting that, you know, the other person is going to end up being this, you know, he's going to cheat on you, or she's going to cheat on you. Like, you're just waiting for something bad to happen. And, um, but she was saying that the way to, to, to curve that is that we practice gratitude, and they had this video of Brene talking about this, and she was talking about how her teenage daughter is driving, and of course, you know this is an exciting thing for her daughter, right? She's getting some freedom, she's you know going into that kind of next chapter of life, but as a mom, she's like, oh my god, <laughs> 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 this is like. Worst thing. I can't believe she's going to be on the road. Watch out, people. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and then, but she was saying, but instead I had to sit there and say, okay, I'm so grateful that, you know, she has a car, a safe car that she can drive. And I'm really grateful. Like, you know, she's kind of like talking to herself about how she's going to be grateful about this experience. So it was just a really interesting example. But I, I, I really just took away from the fact that I know I do this where I, I don't just sit in the happiness. I kind of expect it to go wrong somehow, sure. and um, how we really just need to practice gratitude on that happiness and sit with it and be present with it. So
0: that's pretty beautiful. I, I think that of that is like the other side of the thing. I call back pocketing success. Right? It's yeah. the, where you 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 keep this. This your potential you never really execute on the projects you want to execute because and you keep it in your back pocket you don't share it with the world you don't tell people what you what you want to do and how you want to contribute to make the world a better place because you are so terrified of that foreboding joy right you're terrified of the fact that you know what if it goes well oh God that's almost worse than it going badly. Oh yeah. yeah yeah. Absolutely. That's great stuff. That fear of success yeah, probably right, right, is right. kind of how that, yeah. that
1: works. Yeah. So, this next takeaway was a really um, personally affected me. Um, it was the same workshop um, with Brene Brown's work, and we were talking about the difference between perfection and thriving for excellence. So I want to share with you why this hit home for me. Um, we were recently at a parent-teacher conference for my son, and um, it was going great. I mean, you know, he's doing great in school, so I was a happy mama. Um, but one of the things that the teacher said is he is she said, Jaden is a perfectionist. Oh, She meant it as a compliment.
0: Yeah, but I can tell you didn't take it that way.
1: Well, no, because immediately my, you know, the little hair on my back kind of stood up and I was like, eh, but I wasn't going to say anything. I didn't say anything. Because
0: she thinks she's trying to give a compliment. To you, yeah,
1: yeah, and um, so when we had this conversation about the difference between perfection and thriving for excellence, I thought, okay, I've got to share this with him because this is really important that he understands this, what the difference is, and how they explained it was that perfectionism is coming from uh, a need to um, basically please someone else. Yeah. So your fear is you're trying to make it perfect so s- they won't make fun of you, or that it will be good enough, or that you won't get criticized. Like your your drive, your motivation is not internal; it's more external.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost also a codependency too, right? You can't be satisfied until you, somebody else around you who is in a seat of some sort of judgment is also happy. And
1: it kind of goes back to foreboding um, yeah. joy, right? We can't just be, this can't be just good enough because we're, we're, you know, we're thinking that it's not yeah, right. It's right. not good enough. So of course, Brene Brown's work all kind of circles around together and that's why it all makes sense. But the difference between thrive, you know, for the thriving for excellence is that it, that's an internal motivation and that's hard for ADHD. Yeah. is to have that internal motivation. And so that's why you tend to be more perfectionism or more of a perfectionist than being able to just thrive for excellence. So this is awareness that you can kind of see in yourself, like what where you might fall and, and what maybe shift you might be able to take to go more th- to the thrive for excellence where it really is that internal, I want to do the best I can. I want to show up. I want to um, know that I did the best I can before I turn this in, but I'm okay with it being the way it is. Like it is good enough. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um there's nothing easy about this, <laughs> uh, but man, when we were talking about it, aha moment for me, I was like, okay, write this down, highlight it and do something with this because this is
0: important. At what point do you do you think about going back to the teacher and sharing your experience like now that you've had a chance to process it?
1: You know, I haven't talked, I haven't really thought about going back to the teacher. I have just thought about how to share it with my own practice, with my own clients. Yeah, sure, and,
0: sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh
1: yeah, yeah. Uh one of the the quotes that that she shared from Brené Brown which I think a lot of people are going to relate to, when perfectionism is driving us, shame is riding sh- shotgun and fear is that angry backseat driver. Oh,
0: <laughs> Brené is awesome. You got
1: perfectionism, shame and fear. wish she and, was my uh,
0: sister. She's the best. I know she really
1: is. I love her <laughs> I work love her too so much, yeah. I love her. Ah, I love Brené, Brené. Brown. Um, okay. So my last takeaway, and this is so cool. I just, I have never heard this before. And, and I don't know why, because it just makes per- perfect sense. I was in a session with Terry Matlin. And she does a lot of work with women and ADHD. She also has a book on organizing. um, And uh, she is just a a fantastic lady. I worked with her a little bit last year. um, And she's great. So she did this this session on um, women and ADHD. And it's really about like, um, oh, chores and things that we hate to do. Yeah. (laughs) All these things that we have to do. She said very clearly, accommodations for ADHD are not luxuries.
0: Oh, that's so good. That is so good. And I don't, I mean, I hear you talk about that. It's, it's, it, she was speaking toward women, but man, that rings for me. That checks a Absolutely. lot of boxes.
1: Absolutely. And and it does ring for a yeah. lot of people. And that's what she's saying is that, you know, we are trained early on that we have to do everything. We have to cook, we have to clean, we have to raise the kids, we have to work, we have to be in charge of this and vacations and bills and pets. And I mean, it is exhausting to even me say that out loud.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Right. Everything as adults, adulting, you know, is is hard. And so one of the things she was saying is as as soon as we can let go of that guilt that we need help. Um, and that we don't have to do everything and i shouldn't have to be able to do everything and nothing is wrong with me then um, you know th- those are those accommodations are not luxuries they're they're ways for you to have a happy life there there isn't any fault for me wearing glasses because i i need them to see and there isn't any fault in somebody hiring a house cleaner a laundry service because they hate cleaning and they hate laundry or even a personal assistant or doing the online grocery shopping I mean all of these things that can help us and make our lives more joyful they are accommodations they're not luxuries and and I just thought that was awesome
0: you know I it, boy think of thinking about that really with my my own kids as we're talking about you know the potential of a 504 an IEP uh, and and you know you occasionally run into busy teachers who you can you feel like they the The response is not this is a this is something that's going to help the kids succeed on an even playing field, but that this is just something that's going to make it easy, right? And that's that is not that is could not be farther from the truth. No, uh, so this is true. really important. That's a really important yeah. thing to internalize.
1: So those were just a few things that came to mind that I wanted to share. Of course, there was so much more, but you know, I don't. We're supposed to be a kind of a shorter podcast, so. <laughs> But good news is that, um, I am planning on doing some podcasts, uh, or I'm doing some content planning right now for next year. And, uh, like I said, I know that James Ochoa will come back. Um, I'm hoping to have, um, uh, Jane Massengill come back or come for the first Mm -hmm. time to talk to us about Taming the Gremlin. Uh, we will definitely be talking more about meditation and mindfulness because it was such a, such a trend and pattern, um, Throughout, like I said, throughout the whole conference. And uh, like I said, too, impulsivity, I definitely think that's worth a, a, worth a show. So if there are um, ideas out there, things that you want us to talk about, now is the time to let me know. I don't do content planning for the whole year, but I do try to plan ahead so that um, I'm not just, you know, winging it all the time although sometimes that's what we do, Pete. But <laughs> for the most, I, I'm most sure
0: part, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know.
1: For the most tra- part, I do try to do a little bit of planning. So if there's something you really want us to talk about, now is the time to send that email and let us know so that I can um, put that at least in the next three months. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if I'll go anything farther than that. but
0: That's perfect. You know. That's perfect. Definitely do that. Call us. Uh, the uh, You know, the number, 503 664 DD. Uh, if that's an easy way for you to do it, just call us. While, you know, while you're listening, just call the uh, call the line at a stoplight or, or pull over the car and leave us a quick voicemail. If there's something you think you'd like to to hear us talk about, uh, whatever works for you, we'd love to hear your thoughts uh, as as we go into the next year. Um, lots of good stuff still to talk about between now and the end of the year, though. So we're gonna hang it up now. Thank you everybody for uh, downloading and listening. We appreciate your time and your attention on behalf of Nikki Kinzer. I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next. Time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD Podcast.